Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast, the podcast that champions contemporary artists, curators and galleries. Listen each week to hear me, Anna Woodward, speak to a different person about their experiences, their practice and what they're currently up to within the contemporary arts. Hello and welcome to the Arts Contemporary podcast. Today I'm joined by Douglas Cantor, who is a Glasgow-based painter and he has an exhibition opening at Lilia Gallery this week in Putney. So Douglas, please could you introduce yourself and your practice? Hey, um, yeah, my name is, my name is Douglas. Um, I was born in Colombia and I moved to the UK Gee, uh, this lecture kicking in. Uh, that should be something like 10 years ago. I moved away from the UK for a brief amount of time. I lived in Germany and I came back from basically it's been Colombian, London, London, Berlin, Berlin, Glasgow. And I'm currently based in Glasgow and uh, I'm a painter. Yeah. So from like growing up, was art always something that you were interested in or drawn to? Or was it kind of when you came to London that your kind of whole art and creativity kicked off? Uh, no, I think I've, I've always been artistic uh, mm. to an extent. Like uh, my favorite subject in, in school was where it was art related and theater and all of that. Um, I... I did music when I was a teenager. You know, like I, you, you leave uh, school and then you have like, I guess it's the same in here. Like it's really quick from school, you go into university and everyone knows what they want to do. And yeah, at the clue, you know, I knew I liked to draw and I knew I liked to be creative. So I, I started a band with friends and I did that for a while. Then at some point I was like, okay, we have to do something serious. So I went into uh, visual arts. That's the, that's just like the, the name of the curriculum. Uh, in South America at, at an university and uh, I got kicked out after a year and there is in it's split it in, in six months and then six months like, uh, sem- semesters and I was doing quite well uh, it's very traditional in many ways uh, mm. but I was doing quite well I, I was I just wasn't showing up yeah you no know, like I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing like it came quite natural to me so uh, I wasn't showing up, and in the second semester, I was like, you're doing amazing, but I can't have you. Like, your attendance is not, it's not good enough. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Which which was a massive fuck, fuck up because it's, it's, it was a massive privilege to have access to university. You know, it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not subsidized. It's not any of these things. Um, most people in my family actually think, yeah, most people in my family haven't had access to that, and I did, and I had no idea what to do. And I was like, just flying around for a bit. Uh, always knowing that I wanted to com- like communicational things, and that probably has to do a lot with culture. You know, like mm. we 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 have amazing artists, and there is uh, the Mambo, the Museum of Modern Art in Bogota. So it's not to say that as a as a country or as a, as a continent, even we are like disjointed from art, but it's much more so niche that is in here. You know, like. That, that this is specifically a Colombia country where like the everyday needs are much more in the surface. So my family and uh, this this is very common in in like the families of like people of color and mm. um, their needs and you have to explain what you're going to do with your time. So if they're going to go into the arts, they understand what a graphic designer is, they understand what a carpenter does, they understand what a, yeah. you know. 
and that's that's what we call masters you know apart from like the, the two three that make a lot of money selling paintings we got to understand money mm. the rest of, of what you understand is like the people that we see the mastery and the masterfulness of, of, of when they touch the, the subject and the subject becomes something else so um that that's what they went into into visual arts uh, which they had a uh, a fine art path, but my day was like I was gonna become an illustrator. Uh, but that didn't pan out, and I was like playing about for a year, and then I had uh, an incredible opportunity to to move uh, to the UK. It was uh, basically to, to study English. That was the whole thing, yeah. you know. That that's something that I learned through someone else that was possible, because up to that point of my life, um, living in the country. Like as Colombians, we we need passport for ninety nine percent of the world. You know, we need visas, and visas yeah. are expensive. Uh, to have visas, you have to have money, basically, which it it wasn't the situation of my family. But I I knew someone that that came to the UK, and it was a uh, through an agency, you know, like through a process. So we have to prove uh, like X amount of money, something like ten grand, which we didn't have. But we learned that you didn't have to spend them, so you could borrow them and prove them. Oh, okay. And then give them back. So that's what we did. So I got, I got, I had like five hundred quid uh, on my pocket and the tickets. Like that's what what I had. And I moved to study English. And I booked one week of accommodation because I thought it was easy peasy to find a place to live in London without speaking any English. It wasn't. Yeah. And I moved to the UK to to learn English. And one thing, like I was already here, so I was like, hey. So it was like a three months, six months course, I think. So that was enough time for me, like, hey, there are universities in here. Maybe I can apply. Um, so I applied to university. Um, actually, I applied to Canberra College of Arts. And that's it. Uh, like, I, no one told me that you, you have UCAS in here and you apply to like five. And you were, yeah. I was like, okay, I, I Googled illustration courses and Canberra came up. And I'm like, that's the one I applied to them and I got in. Um, and it was a whole process, you know, like I had. Um, I had like three or four jobs at some at some point um, for my portfolio. I was uh, working as a cleaner in the mornings and I was um, uh, working in a bar as a classy. And the reason that I was able to do all of this is because I found uh, a family in Kensington that uh, needed a, like a caregiver. Uh, the, like the head of the house, the, the dad of the house had had a stroke a couple of years mm. back. And for whatever reason, they couldn't afford proper healthcare. And I don't know how I ended up in there, but I ended up looking after this guy like eight days a week from seven to nine exercises, all these things. And on exchange of that, I got uh, a room, like a Harry Potter kind of court yeah. in the top floor, like the smallest room. But that meant that I didn't have to stress about rent. So that covered yeah. rent. And I had two jobs at that point that would pay expenses. And that was a year that allowed me to make a portfolio. Mm. I did that and I got into Canberra. Um, again, it's like I, I, I couldn't think of anything else to do that wasn't art related. Uh, that would like run back to your question. Yeah. Um, and I chose illustration because of culture, I think. And and then that's another story of, of why I'm a painter and not an illustrator. But yeah, it's, it's, mm. I've always been like sway towards being creative uh, i guess i have a yeah. very visual mind so but it has to do with that definitely and i think there's that thing with 
um like pursuing fine art as a degree it's incredibly like when talking to family and stuff and I think from people of so many different backgrounds it's always like you look at illustration graphic design there is employment uh, at the I'll end tell of this. Employment. I... fine art there isn't you're self-employed for life I didn't understand it you know I didn't understand that the whole process of of making like you make paintings you sell paintings that I understand but but like the self-practice and the, the self-value of making a practice that is about yourself and not about a job and a career that was that was alien to me you know like it, mm. it, I had to come here I had to meet Sophie for those things yeah. to make any sort of sense yeah yeah and it's amazing like the risks you took on your own to kind of to get yourself to the UK and then for that whole year to work I can't like to be a carer to have two jobs and also make a portfolio oh, I, I wasn't thinking you know like Incred like you must have just been going 110 miles an hour no not even there's time to stop to this day there's a thing that gets me through life and it's like you do what you have to do it's like uh, have i done what i have yeah. done to this point yes like then just kind of like so many times i had to pass like english tests when i had barely had time to like study because you're working here and there it's like mm. could i have just studied more no then just go and present it you know what's the worst can happen you yeah. go back to colombia you so it's always been that mindset that sort of pushed me through things yeah and I guess that's the thing you're like inner passion and creativity has been a thing that's kind of in these times when you haven't been able to like before you got into Camberwell just kind of driving you through yeah and, yeah, it, so. and it all paid off and it really has paid off which is amazing <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think obviously you've spoken about kind of like the illustration side and creativity but how did you get into painting because you were doing illustration at Camberwell and obviously it's quite a big jump to like the paintings you're making now in, the, in your practice. I guess it has to do with the same reason that I, I was artistically leaning is the fact that I, I don't like to be told what to do. Mm, and I, I realized really quickly that, that being an illustrator was to be told what to do all the time. Mm. That's the first thing. The second thing is that... Um, Everyone that I went into foundation union with, they have uh, A levels, which is a year of, of like preparation of basics. Even though I did a year of university in 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 Colombia, like it wasn't long long enough to get into those basic things. So I got well basis to a place that was telling me forget everything that you knew. This is about like this is the British school of making art. So it's about thinking and decisions and ideas. So that was incredibly challenging for me. You know, that, that was uh, an artistic cultural shock, if anything else. Um, so I, I got it upon myself to uh, give myself that education, you know. So I, I focused on painting and drawing and things that, again, I thought I had to get good at before I did anything mm. else. Um, I've never been a gifted uh, drawer. I've never been good at drawing naturally I, I think i'm really good now but that wasn't the case like if i if i would have gone by a talent i am really good with like, sculpture i mm. probably should have been a sculptor if I, was, if I was doing things just by talent but again i i i, I didn't want to do a thing that was probably expected to do so like fuck it i'm going to teach myself how to draw and i'm teaching myself to paint so my first year of university was uh sort of doing their briefs but teaching myself mm. to paint. And at this point was like a very tight, very, um, I'm not going to say traditional, because I didn't have any of the traditional training, but like traditional leaning. You know, I was teaching myself techniques and, and what does this paint does? What does this medium does? 
and it was a pure obsession. It was a thing of passion, you know, like yeah. um, coming from, from a place, a culture and a personality where, where you have to justify things. Like I found something that was for myself that I didn't have to either learn or justify. I just had to for myself, which was like play with paint. Mm. But all that was applied to a degree. The thing is that degree wasn't working out. Um, I wasn't getting along with teachers at all. Um, I wasn't enjoying the briefs. Um, I felt very underplayed and very patronized throughout university. Um, there is, we, we have the, the lexicon now. I have these conversations nowadays. And it's what, uh, what at that point we would have called, um, I don't know even how I would, I would have described that back then. But they weren't prepared to do with, with the overseas, the international students that they that they were getting in. Like we were a quota that they were meeting, and yeah. I was treated as a quota. You know, I was uh, yeah. I was discouraged all the way through. Um, also, because I wasn't producing what Canberra as an institution wanted to to have. You know, yeah. Um, there is uh, there is a, something like a funny moment that happened a few months back when I, I was moving things around and I found two or three paintings that I made on the first, maybe the end of first year. And they are the backbones of what I do now. So I had to go through this phase of everyone telling me that that, that was just wrong, you know, those basic, all yeah. these things. And sticking to my guns to eventually coming to the other side, almost five, six years later to, to go back and do something that I actually paid a lot of money for someone. To, to encourage me, yeah. and, you know, so that was university for me. So I, I, I just wasn't my thing and no one ever told me, hey, there is painting, you maybe can switch courses. So I, I painted mm. and then at that point is where I probably get involved with Sophie properly. And Sophie, uh, which you know, is an amazing painter. Uh, uh, she's from here, she's from Scotland, she's from the UK, so she was ahead of me in this, like, she was already into the doctrine of, of thinking this way. Incredibly free, you know, like she, when I met her, Sophie was incredibly gifted at traditional painting. And mm. having had done that, she was in the complete other spectrum of like, she was doing shapes and colors and things and like, hey, like people has been telling me that there is value on, on, on exploring things beyond what you can, easily explain and easily justify and I guess that was my window to to I I if this is worth it for for someone like Sophie to I can do this as well you know I have the right to yeah not explain myself not justify myself that there is a step so I can I can actually be a painter and that was probably mm -hmm. at the end of first year and I remember the conversation I was um uh Walking from Camerwell to Welding at the point which, which is behind King's Cross uh, uh, University, King's Cross Hospital. So yeah. literally crossing from, from there, there was this gallery, X, XY gallery, something like that. And across to that, there is Anandos. I was crossing the road and walking with Sophie and I stopped in the, in, in the red light and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to be a painter. And she was like, do it. And I'm like, yeah, like, like this is my last day as like, I'm not going to do another brief. I'm going to, I'm going to paint. Yeah. And that's how I finished university. The, the last two years of me were like, I would get a brief and I will do the, like the, the loosest sort of 
approach to that brief so I could make a painting out of it. Yeah. So were you still at that point involved? I was involved. In uh, I was involved uh, being being an immigrant, being on a visa. It, I couldn't have um, dropped if like to drop for me was yeah. to go. But on the yeah on the course yeah. was your course had you transferred to fine art uh, no you were still doing the no one told me it was an option <laughs> so, yeah so never did. that must have been so hard as well to like have that confidence to be like i'm gonna do what i want make work and well, then have all these other layers of the university and then also be like i'm gonna do this much to like tick the illustration box but also have the confidence to push my practice and the work see, I, I, I would like to take credit uh, to take credit for that but but i think it's just Part, part of who I am and part of the way that, that someone like me learns to go through things like getting visas done is, is a point-based uh, scheme. You just tick boxes. So at the yeah. point I had gotten really good at ticking boxes and, and doing yeah. what I needed to do. So it, it was actually quite easy for me. I think if anything, was um, it was a lesson on character. It was a lesson that was very well needed uh, for the... Uh, many years of, of being ignored and, and irrelevant. Uh, so that yeah. was good. It was just a very expensive lesson, <laughs> like money-wise. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. No, because obviously I've spoken to Sophie on the podcast and she's telling me about when you both moved to Berlin and you kind of, the way Sophie talks about it is that that's when she kind of felt that her practice really came into itself and she started making paintings and it's where she started kind of solely working in the square format did you kind of have a similar moment when you'd left London and you were both living in Berlin as artists that you just kind of like had this freedom and after leaving Camberwell and not being told what you should and shouldn't do mm, I maybe the thing is I think I think I have 50 percent of that before Sophie did but Sophie yeah. has always been ahead of me. Um, yeah, so it's almost I, like I have the, the rebellion. I have the, I do not care what you tell me to do. I'll do myself because why not? Like, that's the only thing that like, I, yeah. I, I tick boxes everywhere else. I'll do this for myself. Mm. But it took a lot of time. Um, this, this is actually a, a quite a heavy personal side of this conversation because that has to do with identity, that has to do with being an, an immigrant, that has to do with being South American, um, that has to do with feeling isolated, you know. Um, so for me, it was a much longer process, not of finding myself, but of accepting myself, of, of the, accepting the fact that I didn't tick one box or the other. Like, um, I, I'm not a South American artist making South American art. I'm not a British artist. I'm not an expat. I'm not an immigrant. I'm not a, I'm just this very... Uh, like tangled, messy, different things all together, mm. and accepting that fluidity. I, I think at the point that when when we reach um, Berlin, that's what I'm doing. You know, like uh, it, it was also a very interesting point because I, I had to stop, sort of stop making work for four months because I leave the UK and Sophie goes to Berlin. She also has to stop making work for like four months because that's four months of she making paperwork in Berlin and me doing paperwork in, in Colombia. And I made one painting in that four months. And, and that painting is probably like like the last chapter of what I've been doing up, up to that point. It's probably the, the mm -hmm. most um, uh, technically achieved painting that I've made. And it's the most um, 
traditionally understandable uh, cliche of what South America, my South American version is. Um, it's called Pineapple Man. It's, li it's literally a portrait of me carrying bananas. Um, and I, I like to say that th that point of, of my, of my pr practice was me understanding myself through commitment understanding myself through through what it was expected of me and accepted for me i could explain back home i could um justify then berlin comes and berlin is me acknowledging that there is more you know that that, that is literally an exploration of fluidity there's so many paintings that play with the the idea of identity and fluidity in that moment in berlin uh, berlin is probably like the context that has most directly affect me uh, in terms of identity because London was hard, but I chose London. Glasgow has been difficult, mm. but there was a bit of a choice in coming to Glasgow. I never in my life imagined myself being in, in Germany, like not once in my uh, 20 something years of life until point I was like, one day I live in Germany. Maybe you're no idea, I think, no. Yeah. So I was dropping to this place and Sophie was dropping to this place and uh, we, I had done the, not knowing the language at that point once already, um, without much money to do it, which is different when you have the resources to like take your time and take a class. Mm. And I hadn't made the decision to invest myself in the place. So it took much longer to learn the language and to, and in that country, as, as nice as, uh, fondly as I remember it now. It was probably the hardest for both for Sophie and for me to feel connected to people, you know, like, um, I guess in London, I was making work about myself. Now I make exactly what I feel like making in Berlin. Yeah. I was trying to fit in, which is interesting, you know, as, um, but again, that's true of my practice. You know, my practice always is is a is a little conversation. It's is very similar to when people um, write things down down on a diary. So they're gonna write something very typical of a, of a teenager when they're on their teens, and if they keep doing it until mm. they're forty, it's gonna be a different page. So it makes sense that it's always reflected that. Uh, but at that point, it reflected um, that feeling really lost very alone and very isolated. Um, and yeah, I don't know where we were, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's so interesting because it's so interesting hearing these kind of two different sides to it and the experience and like, it must, like, it must be so hard in the sense of just the changing of locations and different cultures and just kind of, having to move while also like the language barriers and so many things and then still having still finding that time and that passion and that drive to continue your practice going i don't know if that was hard i i think i was blessed i mean um i think bukowski said that um and he's, he says i was um blessed with a crappy life you know so I think meaning that he, that means he had something to talk about. And mm. I'm probably 50% stubborn, 50% romantic. 
So at that point, I was as hard as I yeah. found it. And I'm still to this day, um, I get bored really easily. So I do like a challenge. And I was younger. So like you're, you're less aware of the consequences of, of not getting it right. Um, yeah. Which made it really easy for me to like to have no money and, and still be like, this is what we do. Like, don't you worry, we'll make mm. it work. This is what we do. We, we make 500 pounds, we spend 250 pounds on materials. This is what we do. Uh, which thankfully I did it because if anything has made it possible to be where we are is the fact that um, we've always acted that like, like this is our life, you know? And mm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it was difficult, but difficult was, was not the feeling that I, that I had at the point. Um, there's, a, there's a moment in Berlin that I, uh, it, it speaks of the difference between Sophie and me. We, um, um, it's incredibly hard to find a flat in, in Berlin, like incredibly hard. And we've been through like four or five flats already. And then we, we can't find anything. So we go from a flat that is finishing to an Airbnb for a week, then to a hotel for a day. Then you were like, fuck it, we're not going to find anything. We're going to be homeless. We're going to live in a studio. I know we can get a studio. So we get the studio for like a month, mm. uh, which is a room twice the size of this room with one window and bathrooms in a different floor. That's what it is. And like nothing. So we have two canvases, two suitcases. And we spend that first night like sleeping on the floor with, with like the coats that we had as blankets. And it's like, it's, it's in Spandau. I think that's how you say it, which is uh, quite far up north in, in Berlin. And right in front, you get um, uh, like the, the the remains of it's like a museum now, of what it was uh, a prison oh, at some point. So it's like super mm. German looking. Like you couldn't be, you couldn't be more yeah. of an alien um, backdrop to this moment. Like we we go to bed like this, and it's like we're fine. Like we have jobs. Like we'll, we'll, we'll pull through. We have paint. We have canvases. We're good. And I remember like the feeling that they have is like, I'm, I'm accelerated. And it's like, this is the life that I want to live. And so, and so it's like, yeah, I get, I get why we're doing this, but this is shit. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and I think to this day we have that conversation once in a while when I like, how, do you recall that moment in the studio? Like, how do you remember? Like, that was very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, really? I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> It's almost, it's like that moment, like everything was yeah. ripped back which, and it was just, which is... and your work and the ability of kind of, yes, not having that separate work and home environment, but it was just kind of, it which is the, of having jobs in the studio. It's the ongoing work. mantra motto and, and the one thing that I um, treasure and I try to remind myself, like there's this lot of things that I allow myself to forget. Um, mm. you grow older and you have less energy and less patience and things change but I shall not be owned by the things that I want that, that's the thing that I have clear and I will not make art for money not in that sense because every yeah. single time that, that idea sort of ever creeps into my mind idea, there is something to lose you are not doing things for yourself anymore mm. and so that yeah. that is the, the ongoing challenge, you know. Like that has always been. The, that's difficult. That's what they consider difficult. 
uh, not making work yeah not prioritizing work yeah and i think that's the thing when you're kind of just straight out of university and like in your like early stage of your art career things being like it is expensive to make work and it's finding that balance of set like wanting to sell work but sometimes it can take kind of two years for your work to kind of really hit that rhythm where collectors and people are more interested in it but you have to go through that process of working out your practice of independently making work and I think that's where I can imagine a lot of people's it does, I mean, it's... of keep of the motivation to keep going because it's so it's like making work is so personal because it's it's yourself it's an it's a side of your personality depicted you, you're an artist as well right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. i actually know your work yeah um which i like by the way a lot um <laughs> is is a double-edged sword uh every at any point you know when you're fresh out when you are mm. mid-career when you're later on because it's a double-edged situation, you know, it's a situation of, of uh, prestige, like of reputation on one side that requires you as an artist to get where you want to get without ever showing that you ever need to get there. You know, it's this. Um, yeah. I, I had throughout those these five, six years, maybe like two or three eureka moments, two or three moments in my life. Oh, this might be what people want. Again, thankfully, I'm particularly the way that I am. And I always had clear that if I was going to make it, it was going to be with something that I was satisfied with, you know, and I've been very lucky at that at this point where I'm just starting to get some traction is mm. with a very me, very honest, very unapologetic practice, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, God, I have so many sayings. It's like, I like because you have conversations and like there are so many points of view in anything that you make, especially as soon as, as you make enough noise for, for it to be an opinion. And one of the things that I say, mm. because I speak this way and it's like, uh, but what is like, what is so special? Why you? And it's like, hear me out. I, I By no means I am trying to like sell to anyone the idea that I'm special or that anything of what I make is yeah. unique or is even original. Like, I am the creation of all of these experiences and none of them is particular of me, you know, like even though I might be a minority, I share this experience with a with hundred thousand people. I'll tell you what my work is and what I strive for is honesty. And I make things that feel honest to me and when they stop feeling honest, I'll stop making them. So that is how I navigate that, that double edge of like, um, yeah, like basically an artist because we're putting we're putting this spot where yeah. uh, we get the least amount of leverage. We either have um, here we hit the jackpot. Um, we make it's like one of those diagrams where you get the three the three circles and it's just like the, the holy grail in the middle. That's that, you know. Yeah. So I've I've navigated the, the I'll do it for myself and fingers crossed that's what I've done. I think there's something that's a phrase that I never really understood before recently is when people would always say to you like tutors collectors like I'd always hear it thrown around quite a lot being like if you make a work of your own work and you like it keep it whereas before I'd always be like but I need to make money 
I make work for me and like that's the most important thing and I always say like also people always ask me but like but you do the ask contemporary do other things I go like if the ask contemporary starts affecting my practice and I don't have time that stops because me mm-hmm. I'm an artist and that's what's most important um and I never really got the saying with people being like if you love a painting you make keep it keep it and I'd be like why but surely I want someone else to enjoy it until I made recently a painting and I was like I don't actually want it to go anywhere and then I really kind of understood that saying of if you make something be selfish keep it for yourself don't sacrifice that income I think I think I I, I can one one up that advice that's half that's like 50% of it um I will phrase it this way yeah make work for yourself just like make the work you want to live with make the work you want to hang yeah don't be precious though you know, and like at the point where you start making pressures, that that's living on the past, that's living on what's done, you know, like make work for yourself, yeah. move forward. Every penny that you get is the next painting you're gonna make, you know, like that that is and and it's just so complicated to navigate to navigate like the altruism, like or this is not even altruistic, it's probably like purely egotistical. <laughs> Um, <laughs> of of making something that that is valuable to you, and then contrast yeah. that with with what is expected from you. Uh, but but mm. the way in which I'll phrase that is that like like make make work that you want to keep, but don't keep it. Like like you mm. you are you are the potential of what you can make. You know, not what you've made already. Yeah. So yeah, like make the best work you can make. Like like cry when it has to to go but let it go and make another one you know and just make sure that, that mm. you always have the tools to keep making yeah that that's how i'll phrase it for sure yeah no it's really good so you very excitingly opening on wednesday so this will come out on thursday so the show will be open you have your solo exhibition at the brand new gallery lilia in putney called cry cowboy cry could you tell us a little bit about the exhibition and the works in it and kind of the narrative um, of the show cool yeah i i don't think there is a narrative to it i think or like i my work doesn't have coming from me a narrative different than the fact that, that mm. my life has a narrative um that yeah. said um is for whoever is presented with the work to find whatever meaning negative or positive they they, they, they want to find on it um is um i think i think again like to, to answer that question i have to, to to explain my practice further my practice has at this point two levels like i'm confident enough and mature enough to to enjoy what i make you know i literally make things that i want to make um yeah like i paint horses for reasons that are very personal to me i paint horses uh like quick quick snippets to, to what that is um I was in Berlin um, in this exploration of fluidity and who I am and why are you supposed to paint as South American, as an immigrant and this. And then I had a conversation with my mom and she tells me this anecdote. Um, like the, the, the PC version of the story is uh, my great grandparent burned um, a toy horse because he got uh, angry about something and that's my toy horse. And it was um, like a, a very... Um, I mean, he he made the symbol. He made the relationship that like 
me and the horse, the family and the horse. So I painted a horse, which again, like we, I was talking before about this idea of, of uh, representing my culture through commitment and through like the, 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 the cliche that of what I thought I was uh, able to do. Then jumping into this thing, like, you know, like that's that's a very pretty version of Puerto America that probably my mom wants me to tell of like fruits and and, and hard labor and this. And but I grew up in a place that, that I grew up in I grew up in Puerto Boyacá, which is uh infamous for the cartel wars and, and like the, the civil war in Colombia. So I grew up around cartel culture. I grew up around uh, like either the horses as, as, as the tool for the working man to make money or the stallion for like the, the, the drug lord and in the, in the Mexican looking Spanish villa. Mm. So at that point I, I painted a horse, you know, I painted a horse I, which uh, like in, 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 in that understanding of my culture is probably a no-no. It's a like that's the art that you make for these kind of people to put in their walls and things like that. So, but it's like, like fuck it, like that, that might be yeah. so. Then this is me doing this. So that was the first thing that I painted for myself, and because of that, became very relevant to me, and it became pretty much a like like a, a gesture of, of me. Like I put the horse, and I think I feel like I'm putting yeah. that bit of me. Um, and most recently, I've been painting nudes and I've been painting women. And I'm, I'm very aware of the subject uh, on a conscious level because uh, I'm not never disjointed or like uh, out of touch of, of my position, my privilege as a man and the opposite as an immigrant and a person of color. Um, so although I don't like to justify, I try not to justify what I make, I like to understand it. That part has to be with, um, again, it's like peeling layers on an onion, you know, like every year more happens and I embrace more the, the feeling of like, this is what I want to paint now, I'm going to paint it now. And that probably has to do with the fact that we are in a, we've been in a lockdown for a year. And my context has become more and more myself and my context has become more and more my, my partnership with Sophie. So all of this, all I had left was me, like this, this symbol of, of the horse and the way in which I navigate uh, the, 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 the different layers of my practice of like, is, is, is for everyone to appreciate and enjoy and see. But really I'm, I'm processing my emotions and, and my, my traumas and my feelings in each piece, you know, like they are very personal, they're very serious. They're about literally everything that is probably wrong with me. That's that's what I may work about, you know. Like this, um, for very long, my my work, if anything, has been a bit sassy, but not very happy because maybe for a long time I haven't been very happy, you know. So it's very uh, melancholic. So those two subjects are are in there because that's what they have around, you know. Like, um, um, yeah. And through this process um, of of like finding your culture, I guess that's how you you can you can say it. The the idea of a of a of a cowboy, but this is this is this is interesting because again we we speak cultures, different points of view in cultures. You know, you get the Hollywood American cowboy, which is amazing, but it's a it's a it's a small part of 
of the idea of the cowboy um, being um, a piece of culture that was taken from South America, you know, like the cowboy was originally a vaquero, yeah. which is Mexican and trickles down from, from the Argentinian uh, flat fields and, and the east of Colombian country, you know, because we grew up like working the land. I grew up riding horses and herding cattle and doing these things to help my grandpa. Uh, my grandpa, as a man of his time, grew up obsessed with uh, Mexican films and, and the mariachis and the cowboys. and the So that is my culture, you know. And as I further understand where I am and what I am, it just becomes incredibly easy to, to make a relationship between, between the idea of, of, of the cowboy like the romantic idea of the cowboy and the situation of, of being isolated, you know, because if you, if you in, in, in the romantic plethora, you, you put the cowboy, the, this, the story of the cowboy is, is the one of the, of an anti-hero, you know, of, of the, the, the broken soul that, that goes to like to the woods to, to work out his, his demons, you know, and, and that's what I've learned to do with my practice. You know, I learned to let, like, not even step away from things, but step away and bring things with me so I can face them and understand them. Um, and it just, it just, it just click and it makes sense. You know, it's like, I'm sure that a lot of people that ever felt isolated or discriminated or segregated would have find some sort of like um, relief in seeing these stories of, of, you know, the guy that had to leave, you know, like the, um, the other aspect of this is probably masculinity, you know, like we can talk about masculinity now and is mm. um, the many versions that there are of masculinity. Um, and I, I like to think that this is me defining my own, um, one that is a bit broken, a bit uh, toxic, um, and it's my own kind of toxicity, you know, and I found my own way of, of, of dealing with it. But at the same time, it's, it's vulnerable and honest, you know, and uh, yeah. I mean, like, think of country music, think of, and there, there are so many parallels. There are just so many things. That the more you think about it, the more you see it is. If you think of of the, the, the country culture and country music, then then you get all of these tales of, like, uh, heartbreak and, and sadness and, and like hardship in life and um, broken families, you know, because it's, it's storytelling, you know, it's, it's, it's music for the people. So this is how I, yes. I managed to translate this need to, to remain understandable, you know, because at the end of the day, I've never, I, I haven't reached the point where I, where I don't have anything to say. I still have things to say. Um, I am, I'm just not that concerned if people are going to get it, but I'm still trying to say those things. Um, yeah. And then Definitely. there is another very interesting parallel because uh, one of the jokes that occurs on my, my paintings, whenever I do choose to portray myself, I, I, I've written quite a few times South American cowboy. And the thing is like this, this way of, 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 of dealing with your stories so of, of healing by sharing happens as much in country music as it happens in salsa, you know, like if you think salsa, which again, 
you you think of salsa as, as Latin American music, but all of the salsa kings are um, Puerto Rican, New Yorkian. You know, are um, all of these? It's mm. sort of like like it's it's a, it's a a requirement for you to break away to to carry on your culture and then expand it to the to this next bit because you've seen two yeah. worlds and you can tell a story that is not only understood back home but globally. So it's that kind of like breakdown. Um, because the stories are very similar, you know, like the, 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 the teachings that happen through salsa, the teachings that happen through, um, through country music. And then you add to that the fact that, like, we, we make art, we make something that is incredibly egotistical about ourselves. And you grow old and you give less of a fuck every passing day. You eventually become your stick, you know, and and I'm I'm fully embracing my stick of the moment, and I can't wait to see what I'm gonna yeah. be in five years, you know, like because certainly where life takes me, the work is one is gonna go, and and that's just like a one to one conversation. Like I I I, I manifest and project in the mm. work who I am and I'm trying to become, and and it gives me back. You know, this is who you are, Paul. This is what you, do. yeah. Yeah, and I think that all leads back so much to what we were talking about earlier about the thing of like as an artist, yeah. you have to make work for yourself, and you need that personal connection and conversation. And like, I know that I'm someone who could not be an artist who just kind of turns out being like, I want a pink one, I want a blue one, I want a green one. Like, that's not me. That's hard. I, 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 I actually admire the the street smart that takes to be that kind of artist. You know the. You know, it's like it's like you you probably yeah. got it right. You probably got it better than me. Like, and kudos to you. I ju I just can't live with that sort of idea. Yeah, I'm just so bad. Like you were saying earlier, but I just when being told what to do, I'm like, I can't cope. And I just I think even I was just with my friend and we were chatting about like um, some of like our friends from school and what they're up to, and I was just like, I couldn't, I wouldn't want that life of job like I love freedom and I love that like I feel in such a privileged position that I can live as an artist and a curator and chat to people and I've made this kind of hybrid job in between and that I can I mean, do you, that as my job and like the podcast you do say you do say freedom having these amazing uh, not to cut you just think is is relevant to say that you do yeah. say freedom but here we are you and me Sunday 6 30 <laughs> And I'm sure I'm sure you yeah. work harder than 99% of your friends that have nine to five jobs. Back so, to passion, yeah. But I love what I do. Like yeah. I don't think I never think of it Absolutely. as work. And it's quite interesting when people who like don't know me from art, they ask me like what I do. Da, da, da. I'll say like mm -hmm. my extra like job at times. Do you still? I'll be like, oh, I'm an artist. Do you still do that? Like, like I had I had that moment. Employment. Like more so, okay, maybe one of the hardest moments was the first year in Glasgow. Like that, that was a very bare bones, like I, I, I didn't have much left inside me at that point when I, when I came to Glasgow. And maybe I realized that yeah. when I find myself answering the question, what do you do for a living saying, I'm a chef, you know? That was a point of my life in which bringing a paycheck was so much more important than than expressing anything, probably the most toxic, like personally toxic moment of my life, you know, like absolutely hated that year of, of, of 
not having more value than a job, you know? So good, good that you yeah. say you're an artist, always say you're an artist. Yeah, I think it's just, I don't know, I think it's this maybe. That's, that's good. I, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> My mind's gone. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is gone, but yeah. So maybe just to finish off, oh, no. we said this is a Sunday. Again, I, I don't have office hours, time. so um, keep, keep me for as long as you have patience for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which artists do you think at the moment have like the most influence uh, Sophie. on your practice? First, Sophie, always Sophie. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's my reality. That's my context. That's, that's the one person that makes it better or makes it harder for me. Um, because that mm. that court that quarter that corner is hers. This one is mine, and I cannot look at her work, you know. And she cannot look at mine, and she will forever take my colors. <laughs> like, and I and I'm gonna have to. Yeah, she's telling me about I, it. And I'm gonna have like, to I fish them back. And, like, and once in a while, she makes my colors better than I had them. I'm like, hey, yeah. okay, that's mine now. <laughs> so that first. <laughs> um, second. That's that's um that's a big question. Um, I, you know, when you're a magician, um, like the trick is spoiled for you. So I I I don't find myself very moved by like established artists. Like I I admire the hardship. I admire the what it takes to get there and stay there. You know. But it always gets me, like the newcomers, you know, the underdogs, the guys that are still fresh and still have guts, you know, and still are trying to work it out and still get it right and get it wrong. And, and you see the beauty and the wrong and how they take it to the next place. I love um, the young kids copying. I love every time you see someone that, that is a year into it and, and you can see that came from there, that came from there, came from there, but that's better than what they did, you know? love that feeling you know like yeah um i think i think there is nothing flattering for me that to see glimpses of something that i've said of, of something that i've done even if it's a tiny corner it's like i'm relevant to someone i'll i'll take that every day <laughs> um in a more personal yeah. way i don't think that um arts or visual art is what speaks to me in that way i think um um music maybe i think music is quite important to me again because music is telling stories and very often i'm listening to a song that is telling a story and like hang on okay that 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 helps you understand the story that i'm going through that is very relevant to me i guess that that influenced my work a lot yeah yeah i always love it when people talk about being influenced by music and their paintings i think it's something that sometimes it's something spoken about. I think it's something like within art people think about a lot. But I think it's, I love this idea of like the transfer of two different creative languages of music, meeting a painting language or a sculptural language and the way the kind of artists interpret and transfer See, it. See, the thing is, I have a theory that ties to that really closely. And it is how I speak to my parents about art. And it's like, I don't understand it. I don't understand you. And like, tell me this, when, when you find a playlist do you listen to every single song 
and do you feel the need to like every single song of a of a hundred? No, then maybe it's wrong for for people to tell you for you to think that you have to approach art the same way. You know, like when I go to a museum, I walk really fast around it to an exhibition, like skipping through songs. And if there's one that I like, I go back to that one. And I I wish that people could like approach art in the same way, rather than these these. Uh, yeah. institutionally established perfect masterpieces that 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 speak of of the genius is like not even with like beyonds or or like the the kings of the of the current pop like you go like every single piece of work that they make is amazing it's like hey that's a hit song that's a song that and maybe a song doesn't speak to me but it speaks to someone else you know like in the same way in the same way that's what art is and, and even yeah. when what we make is presented with this idea that you must like it because it's been around for long enough and they said that you have to like it. Mm. That's when it gets um, disconnected, I think, you know? So in... Yeah. When you're in that order of ideas, like just it, as music, it if it speaks to you, if it's telling a story that you relate to, then it's for you. Otherwise, just let it go. Definitely. Amazing. Me well, too. <laughs> I had so much fun. I feel so... I feel so like calm and just give me so give me a ring anytime always happy to chat practice <laughs> amazing well hopefully when the exhibition is open and lockdown borders I'll, I'll, we'll definitely try yeah to meet I think in that's, person. that's on the list yeah amazing I'll I will do thank you so much thank it's you lovely so meeting much. you say hey to Sophie for Thank you so much for listening to the Artist Contemporary podcast. Remember to check out the Artist Contemporary Instagram and to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all the episodes, artists and exhibitions that are posted on the platform.